Just a, a brief introduction. Um, Mike um, Hardy and his wife Louise have been among us for a couple of years. They're actually spent a lot of time in Baldwin County, and um, but after hearing him this morning, um, he has no desire for me to tell you about him. He wants you to hear about the Lord God. So um, if you want to know Mike, take some time and visit with him afterwards. All right. That good, Mike? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Good morning, y'all. <laughs> it's a privilege of privilege for me to be able to speak to my home church. Um, it's, uh, this is our church family right here, and we're grateful to be here among you to worship our Lord. This is a sweet place, isn't it? It's lovely. It's helped me tremendously in my walk with the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, we pray that you'd open our eyes to the beautiful things you have in your word, that we'd hear from you, that we'd be drawn closer to you, Lord, that we would leave today more in love and committed to you and in wonder of what you'll do in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I've been thinking about a couple of verses for the last years or so, and I, I want to read them to you today and have you start thinking about them with me. It's a very, very beautiful set of verses found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. But when one turns to the Lord... The veil is removed. And when we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is deep stuff. When one turns to the Lord in faith, the veil is removed. We now become to know our God and to walk with him and it tells us in these verses that something begins to happen in our we are transformed from one degree of glory to another into the image of Christ. That's tremendous. That's in a tremendous verse. It's a tremendous truth. I've spent a large part of my life trying to help people in their transformation into the image of Christ. As a pastor, as a teacher, as an author, trying to help people in this regard. Yield your life to Christ. Spend time with him in prayer. Listen to the Spirit as you read and study the Word. Get involved in ministry and watch him work around you and in you and through Be involved in Christian relationships that can help you become a better follower of Christ. Be involved in your church. Take the sacraments. Do these things that will transform you. Anyway, I've spent so much of my life in that regard. But I've been thinking, do I know what God does as he transforms us? He is the one in these verses that's doing the transforming. And in my thought, that's the hard part. An easy part is for me to read my Bible. I should do that. But for him to do this tremendous transformational work is really, really impressive. Let's pop the hood this morning and take a look at some of what God does as he transforms those that turn to the Lord in faith. I'm going to read for you a verse. It's a, just one verse today, and we're going to look at it. It's the words of Christ. And in this verse, there's four verbs. And these four verbs, I believe, are a schematic, a plan, a pattern, a formula that God does in your life and mine. And so these are some powerful verbs indeed. Well, I want to read for you Matthew 26, 26. Listen for the verbs. 
while they were eating, talking about the disciples and Jesus at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. Four verbs, took, blessed, broke, gave. All a part of, I believe, God's process of transforming even us. Jesus transformed the bread on that day, and he uses these same verbs to transform us. In fact, if you take a look throughout the Bible, this take, bless, broke, give is a part of every major person in Scripture. From Abraham to Jacob to Joseph to Joshua to David to the prophets to Peter to Paul to Mary to John the Baptist, all taken, blessed, broken, and given. And the same is true for you. He is transforming you glory to glory closer to the image of God through these verbs in your life. Well, let's take a look at the four verbs. The first one is took. There's synonyms in the Bible, draw, call, adopt. We see God taking us as we turn to him in faith. Last week, we saw Matthew being taken out of the tax collector's booth. This week, we see the disciples called. We see them a part of this calling other people to be took. In fact, as we read in our Old Testament portion this morning, Exodus chapter 19 talks about the children of Israel that were enslaved in Egypt being taken. You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians, the Lord says, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and took you to myself. Took them from what? Took them from Egypt. They weren't on a Nile River cruise, right? They were enslaved. They were experiencing tremendous oppression. They were not living up to what God had called them to be. They were a part of a kingdom where the king was worshipped as God, where idols were worshipped, where demons were worshipped. This was a very bad situation for them. And it says, what did God do? He says in Exodus chapter 1 that he heard their cries, he saw their plight, he knew their situation, and he acted. And he sent his servant Moses and his outstretched arm to take them away from this disaster. The New Testament describes all who have not turned to Christ in faith in some very bad, glaring terms. Terms that people who have not turned to Christ in faith do not like and may not accept, but it's the truth of God and his word. It says that those without Christ are dead in their trespasses and sin, that they are indeed slaves to sin, alienated from life in God. They have no hope for eternity. They are slaves to corruption. They are sick and in need of a doctor. They are blind yet led by the blind. And Jesus in our gospel this morning looks at the people that were near him and he feels bad for them. He says they are harassed, they are helpless, and they are without a shepherd. The Bible's thesis is this. We all need to be took. All of us need to be took. The most popular podcast in the world, you can look that up when you get home, 
has had uh, several episodes in recent years on UFOs. The podcaster said recently, I hope the beings in those UFOs are benevolent. I hope they come and teach us a better way. Because left on our own, we will, we will destroy ourselves, we will destroy each other, and we will destroy our planet. Desperate, even he sees that. Well, I've got good news for him and for all of us. Galatians 1.4 says, The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. One has come from beyond. One has showed us the way of peace to save ourselves, to save one another, and to save this planet. We all need to be took, and we are taken by turning to the Lord by faith. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. That is what happens to those who place their trust in him. So that's first step. Want to become more like Christ? First, you need to be took. Secondly, the word bless. The word bless. What is a blessing? It's more than a simple thanks. It's much more than that. It's an invocation. It's a request for spiritual presence and action, intentionally calling on God to do something in the blessed. Christ takes bread and he blesses it. He calls on God to do something to that bread. And at the end of the verse, he says, Behold, it is my body. Something has happened in the midst of that blessing. It's a mystery. How does that work? I don't know. I have no clue. But what I do know is Jesus said it. Christians have debated it for 500 years, exactly what that means. But the idea is that Christ is drawing near in that blessed element. What he is doing is drawing near in intimacy. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that eating the body of the Lord, drinking the wine, is participation, koinonia, fellowship with the Lord. So a blessing is asking for a divine involvement, an activation to the blessed, and a drawing near. The children of Israel who escaped out of, Exodus, out of Egypt, God took them. Well, why did he take them? What were his intentions? To destroy them? To hurt them? To harm them? No, to bless them. And how did he bless them? He blessed them with his presence. He dwelled with them. He wanted to know them and them to know him, to know his ways, to know his person, to lead them, to comfort them, and to transform them into a kingdom of priests. It all started here on the mountain that we read in Exodus chapter 19, this transformation. It started with being took and then here with this blessing. Like the bread is blessed and transformed with the presence of God, so are all of those who turn to the Lord in faith. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with all spiritual blessing into the heavenly places, in the heavenly places. This is an incredibly powerful verse. I've often called it the blessed fest. We bless God because he has blessed us, and he has not blessed us with a little eyedropper of blessing. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. This is a tremendous activation that is happening in our life. 
Our blessing is this union with God, to have his presence with with us, to have his direction, to have his voice, to have his word. This changes us. You can see how this would transform us. Jesus took the bread. He blessed the bread. And things started to happen. The same is happening with you. And from glory to glory, we are transformed. It starts here with this being taken and being blessed. You'll see how these two words are really a couplet. He takes us to bless us. And then the next set is that he breaks us to give us. This next word, the third word, third verb, broken, is not an easy one. Anybody here like to be broken? Anybody like pain and suffering? I hope not, right? And I don't want to be flippant about this. I've experienced great brokenness in my life, great pain and suffering. In fact, I wouldn't say I've been broken. I'd say I've been pulverized. You know, Father's Day for me, by the way, happy Father's Day. Father's Day for me, not a great day. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of heartbreak comes to mind. So I, I want to share with you that I, I, I share these words out of, out of uh, great respect for all the pain all of us have gone through and will go through. But as those who have been taken and blessed, we have hope in the midst of our brokenness. Our brokenness doesn't end with brokenness. God is there and he helps us through it and he makes sense of it. Let me work th with you through this idea. In Romans chapter five, verse one and two, it tells us that we have been taken and blessed by turning to the Lord in faith. In that, verse 2 of Romans 5, we greatly rejoice. We sing praises like in Psalm 100 about what God has done for us. Paul says that all of that rejoicing that we do is because Christ suffered. He suffered, and that is to our benefit. There is an equation in Scripture. It goes like this. Suffering with God equals benefit for many. Suffering with God equals benefit for many. In the world economy, suffering, which is caused by sin, the curse, evil, depravity, our spiritual brokenness, the cruelty of the enemy, it's tragic. It's at times hopeless. It makes us insecure, cynical, callous, depressed. At best, it makes us a little stronger. At times, we can help others. At times, it leads us to addiction and even worse things in our life. But in God's economy, it doesn't act like that. Being broken by pain and suffering, according to Paul, produces humility and godliness, transforming us in closer to the image of Christ. Because we've been taken and blessed, we go through it with God. The Holy Spirit, it says in Romans 5, 5, has been poured out in us. In fact, the scripture is clear to those that know and follow Christ that when we're broken, God manifests himself in a unique and special way. Isaiah 57, 15 says that God dwells with those with a contrite heart, with a broken spirit, those who are lowly and humbled. I have a little saying. Maybe you can memorize this. It's pretty easy. God inhabits the praise, the prayer, and the pain of his people. When you reach out to him in praise, he is there. When you pray, he is there. When you're in pain, he is there. It is a beautiful promise 
to those who have been taken and blessed that even in the worst of times, God is there and he is doing his transforming thing. I'd like to say the truth is that we all must be broken because we are broken. And God is like a good doctor who sees someone who has healed incorrectly and allows a breaking to take place so that we might then go forward with fullness of life. Remember that Christ suffered. It was God's plan for many to benefit. We are broken. We are broken in part so that we might benefit others. There are immeasurable blessings as well that go, uh, go for those who have trusted the Lord and have been blessed by him in the midst of suffering. The New Testament is ripe with teaching on being broken and suffering and pain. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. James talks about it. Peter talks about it. On and on, the New Testament goes on about suffering. Why? Because we don't like it. We don't understand it. We hate it. Do you hate it? I hate it. It's no good. It's no good to us in the sense that we look at our lives. But God is up to something, even in the midst of brokenness. He is there in the midst of brokenness. He is doing something else in a brokenness. There are great benefits from our brokenness. I've written down 15 benefits of brokenness. You're like, boy, that's, that's crazy. Let me read from it. Just think about some of these. It changes our behavior. We don't want to change unless we're broken. It connects me with God. It causes me to pray. It drives me to the scripture. It reveals God in new ways. I know him and knowing him is the point of my life. I know him in new ways through pain and through being broken. It exposes the worthless, worthless impotent idols that we allow in our lives. It connects us to others. It equips us to really help others in need. It is fuel for the spread of the gospel. It strengthens our faith, ultimately. It humbles us so that God might lift us higher. We become more open to hear God's voice in the midst of pain. We're open to life direction and new ventures. It focuses us on what really matters in life, and we become like Christ. Suffering in the hands of God is not a waste. It is useful and used in transforming us from glory to glory to being more like Christ. As we read the New Testament, the apostles see suffering, and yes, they say it's hard, it stinks, no one likes it, but don't forget who you suffer with. You are not alone. You are with one that takes and blesses and breaks to transform us and allow us to experience greater blessings than we ever had before. I say all this about brokenness as one who has been broken, not some guy just preaching up with a microphone, two microphones, by the way. I understand the pain that comes. So anyway, so the Lord takes, the Lord blesses, the Lord um, breaks, and then finally the fourth, the Lord gives. Broken bread doesn't look as good as a whole loaf but it's way more useful for those that need it. Brokenness has purpose. It changes me. 
and it benefits others. This is my home church. This is where I was received by the bishop, Bishop Alex. I have been broken in my life for you. You have been broken in your life for me. We've been broken to help one another. I have a saying, it goes like this, giving is living. You want to be miserable? Don't give. You want to be miserable? Live on your me planet. Serve only yourself. Be a hedonist. Go ahead. Try it on for size. You will be miserable. You want life that's life abundantly? It's not going to be without being broken, by the way, but give. Give lavishly. Give abundantly. Give your time, your treasure, your money to the things of the Lord, to things of eternal purpose, and see how God transform you. You have been broken so that you may be given. And your brokenness is one of the chief things that you can give. It is really a superpower of the believer to give out of your brokenness. There are others in this church that need your journey of brokenness to help them through their journey of brokenness. That is the, the call of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We have been broken and comforted that we might comfort those who are being broken. As a young pastor, I became a pastor in my 20s. People would come to me with very deep, broken issues. What did I know? I knew nothing. I knew the word. I could share the word. I could pray with them. That was really good. It wasn't until I figured out, I need to connect this person with that person who's already gone through these things with the Lord. I know for me, myself personally, these areas of great and deep brokenness, they make sense to me. I come alive when I meet other people that are going through the same thing. And I can share with them, and they can share with me. You get the idea. Your brokenness is not a mistake. God is there with you, and he is going to use that to not only benefit others. Watch this. He's going to transform you to be more like Christ in the midst of brokenness. This is really good news because without the Lord in our life in this, we're broken to be broken. It just stinks. But with God, even that which is difficult can be turned into something wonderful. The last thing about being given, if you look through the totality of scripture and you look at every major character, you're going to see that they were broken, like I mentioned before, but they were broken for a purpose. We are broken for a purpose to then give. Think about this with me just real quickly. Abraham, he was broken for a purpose. Moses, broken for a purpose. Joseph, he was broken, wasn't he? For a purpose. David, broken? <laughs> yeah, for a purpose. Ruth, broken? For a purpose. Mary, broken? Yep, for a purpose. Paul, broken? Yes, for a pur purpose. Peter, broken? Yep. For Hey, you, broken for a purpose to give. Now check this out, what happens? We pop the hood, we're looking at what happens. We go from alien to God, enemy of God, without God or hope in this world, to through being taken, blessed, broken and given, partners with him. It's amazing. This is amazing what God does what God is doing in your life. If you're being broken today, take hope. God's with you. He's working in you. He will use this stuff 
ultimately for his glory. I hope that's a little bit of encouragement to you. I can tell you as one who has been crushed, it's hard in the midst of the crushing. But I can tell you as one who has come on the other side of crushing, to be able to use that to help somebody else makes it so very meaningful. God is at work in your life. If you have turned to him, the veil has been removed and God is at work. Trust in him. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to think about what you do, how you're at work. Have your way with us. Lord, encourage us and strengthen us through your spirit that you've poured on us lavishly. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.